to sow. So I'm going to obey the Lord. I believe somebody here needs to hear that word. Amen. Let me once again say thanks to all the men who um, worked together. I know it was done yesterday by uh, Brother Patrick, Trustee Patrick. But it's, it's okay to do it again. Um, such a unity uh, that the men displayed as they worked together to plan the conference that is ongoing right now. And um, we, had, we had a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful um, meeting yesterday, beginning with um, Ray Harmon and uh, uh, there was some powerful nuggets that were released yesterday. And I felt like Pastor D should have ministered, so I, I told him the night before. I said, Pastor D, I have a word. It's not that I don't have a word. But I, I sense that you should minister to the men. And so we want to thank him for taking the time to prepare. And he ministered yesterday. I was hoping that I would keep this word and maybe preach it in um, Houston. But the Lord told me to preach it here. Because the word is for, for the men especially. So, um, it's a timely word. I rather believe it's a timely word. So, I want to be obedient to the Lord and minister. Amen. I want to recognize my friend, Alan Brown. Welcome. So, Brown is in the house. Amen. Um, he's my friend, my brother, and he's my disciple. I'm, I'm discipling him as well. Amen. Um. Great, great man. Amen. Good to see Mr. Bellish. Lieutenant Bellish, good to see you. God bless you. Amen. All right. Let's turn to Judges chapter 20. Judges chapter 20. You're supposed to leave the offering before I preach it because I don't know when I will stop preaching. So people know me, I preach long. The, the Bible says that the last day is the best. Okay? It's not the beginning of the matter, it's the end. Okay, so if you have to go, you pour one basket to the to the doors so you can drop your offering in before you leave. You see, some pastors don't let them talk about offering, but ask the people from Houston to talk about money. It takes money to run ministry. So in Judges, chapter 20, verse 26, 27, and 28. Then all the children of Israel, that is, all the people, went up and came to the house of God, and wept. They sat there before the Lord. And fasted. That day until evening. And they offered burnt offerings. And peace offerings before the Lord. 
So the children of Israel inquired of the Lord. The ark of the covenant of God was there in those days. And Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, stood before it, I mean before the before the, the ark in those days, saying, Shall I yet again go out to battle against the children of the children of my brother Benjamin? Or shall I cease? And the Lord said, Go up, for tomorrow I will deliver them into your hand. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to minister your word. We stand on this pulpit with humility and with a sense of awe that apart from you, I can do nothing. So I surrender to you my frail framed of flesh and blood, my lips of clay, my limited mind, that you will speak through me and you will speak life. You will bring healing and deliverance to your people. The men this house and all who will hear this word will be blessed will be transformed in Jesus name amen now uh, let me also recognize pastor Riggs and his wife for being the leaders of this house amen and for the work that God has used them to do here in DFW God bless you amen and may the Lord continue to bless the work of your hands. Amen. I want to use your text and preach on the message that I have titled, The Destructive Power of Sexual Sin. The Destructive Power of Sexual Sin. This message I've been in my heart since last week, since I, uh, Pastor Jacobs texted me and and said, Bishop, we want you to minister uh, on Sunday. I began to pray. I, uh, I began to ask the Lord for what to share. And this is what I, wa I wanted to share yesterday. Um, now, if you read chapter 19, you will get, the, you, you get the, the longer version of the story. Okay? Chapter 20 gives us a synopsis. So, uh, the scripture, when you begin from verse 1 of chapter 20, it says that the leaders of Israel and all of Israel gathered at Mizpah. Um, it says that there were 400,000 men who were armed with the swords. Because um, a man was returning home um, with his concubine and the scripture says that um, when he got to Gibeah of Benjamin it says that some men from Gibeah attacked him but in the attack 
they seized his concubine, they raped her, and killed her. And then the man took his wife and cut her into 12 pieces and sent one piece to each of the 12 tribes of Israel. And the scripture says, Israel gather. When you read the text, Israel, 12 tribes, were separated from one tribe, Benjamin. So in the text, the Israelites, in the text, in this chapter, does not include the tribe of Benjamin. Because at this point, the Benjamites are in conflict with the rest of Israel. And so when they gather at Mizpah, the Bible says uh, that, uh, that the, t as the gentleman whose wife, he was a Levite, belonged to the tribe of Levi, whose concubine was raped or sexually abused and killed. This was a horrible, awful sin that had taken place in Israel. So the men rose up together. The Bible says in verse, we read verse 8 through 11, they rose up together to deal with this horrible sin that had been committed, this outrageous sin that has been committed in Israel. And in verse 11 it says, so Israel got together and united as one against the city of Gibeah. When you read through verse, verses 12, 12 and 13, it says that the Israelites, that is the tribe of Israel, um, the tribes of Israel sent a messenger throughout the tribe of Benjamin. And they went in to ask, or asking, why was this awful sin committed among them? And they asked them to turn in those men, the men who committed this sin, the men of Gibeah, to turn them over so that they would deal with them, they would kill them. In verse 13, the verse, verse 13 says, it ends with a sad commentary. But the, the Benjamites, or the men of Benjamin, will not listen to their fellow brothers. I'm asking the Lord, what do you want with the preacher's word? And the Lord spoke to me and said that as men, not only should we be eager about knowing our purpose in the kingdom and wanting and desirous to expand the kingdom of God, he said there must come a time as men to stand against sin. But our responsibility is to resist sin. To purge sin. To deal with sin. To not compromise with sin. Especially sexual sin. Oh, I know the place will be quiet today. 
verse 14, it says, The Benjamite came from every town within Gibeah. From every town. They gathered together at Gibeah to fight against their brothers. Because they will not turn over the men who raped this woman, this, this man's concubine, and killed her. They refused to. It is, it is, it is, it is a sad story, a sad commentary that the men will cover other men who did evil. They will refuse to purge their sin. In fact, they said, turn them over to us so that we will deal with them, we will kill them and purge sin. The sin. Because let me tell you something. When loving, leavens the entire door. Little yeast will destroy or will cause the entire door to rise. And so as I pray, the Lord said, tell the men the part of your assignment is to cause sin, sin. It's to deal with sin. Part of our responsibility is to, is to recognize when sin is committed and be willing and be mad enough with backbones and say this is sin. We should not compromise. Now, every sin is sin before God. But I have done some research and listened to great men of God. There is a common line of thing that sexual sin has the potency, the power to destroy men, destroy Christian men and women. Every sin is evil. But as I study, as I read the scripture, in fact, let's go, let me show you something. Let me go ahead of myself a little bit. Go to, um, let's turn to, um, I believe is Deuteronomy. Oh, let me find my scripture here. I, I, I know I'm preaching from the Old Testament, but the word of God is still true. Amen? Um, go to Deuteronomy, I believe it's chapter 20, 20 verse 23. I believe that's it. Can you, can, you, can you give it to me, please, on the board? Deuteronomy, I believe it's Deuteronomy 2023. If we don't find it now, I'll find it later on. But let's see, let's see. Okay. Um, 2020, right? Hold on. Hold on, hold on. Is it what does it say, 2123? No, that's not it. Okay, that's not it. Okay, I, I apologize. Let's move on. Let's move on. I thought I'd jot it down, but I did not. 
Alright, so 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 every man of God are listening to him and there's a come of the okay, let's see. This is it 22, 25, and 28. I got it. 22, 22, 25, and 28. If you take a note, take notes. Alright, this will help this help me. Can we get a word on the board, please? I want everybody to see it. But if a man finds a betrothed young woman in the countryside and the man forces her and lies with her, then only the man who lay with her shall what? So that's how God dealt with um, sexual immorality. Go, go to verse 26. But you shall do nothing to the young man, to the young woman, excuse me, there is in the young woman no sin deserving of death. For just as when a man rises against his neighbor and kills him, even so is this matter. 27. For he found her in for, for he found her in the countryside and betrothed young betrothed a young woman, cried out, but there was no one to save her. Verse 28. If a man finds a young woman who is a virgin who is not betrothed, and he seizes her and lies with her, and they are found out. 29. Give me 29 quickly. Okay. That, that's fine. But notice in verse 25 how the scripture declares uh, that such a man should die. Okay. Now, the New Testament says something different, but it is implied. So the second reason why the Lord gave him that I should preach for preaching this word, he says sin, sexual sin, is one of the tools that the enemy is using to disrupt the church. Great men of God, women of God, servants of God, that God has called and anointed because they fail to rise up against this sin. Many, many have lost God's grace, God's anointing on their lives to fulfill the mission God has given them here and now. The enemy understands and he knows that when we are falling into this sin, we lose God's fire, we lose the power of God, we lose the grace of God. That enables us empowers us to fulfill his assignment the enemy knows that i mean you 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 listen to the news and you there are churches that are just meeting without power that are great men of god women of god who are still gifted still have the talent who are still eloquent but they've lost the power And as the Lord began to speak to me, even up to yesterday, as the services were going on yesterday, the world was coming. Uh, there were crisscrosses of the word uh, that, uh, that, 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 that I'm preaching this morning. Over and over, Pastor Ray mentioned and used the phrase, dog killer. Okay? This is very serious. Because many of God's people are living on past glory. 
the church no longer preaches against sexual sin. There are people in the church shagging. There are men in the church sleeping with other women in the church, young girls in the church. And nobody says anything about it. It's all hush hush. Because nobody wants to tell on his brother. And we are on a time bomb. Because there is a time that comes when this thing will explode and disrupt the church. There's a big church in Houston recently where most of the young people were attracted to the pastor. Then the sexual sin for another woman who resigns away from church. They had to relieve him. In fact, a family from that church was attending our church because of that situation. They couldn't go there. The lady told her daughters, we can't go to church now. So this, they were in our area and, and they saw our church, Harvest Houston, and she went on our website and, 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 and looked up the church and saw that, oh, okay, they believe I will believe. We'll go there for some time. They were there for a month because of the impact of this man of God's sin. So she had to stay away with her daughters. But that's what will happen when we do not deal with sin, especially sexual sin. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something. There are people, there are churches, great men of God, pastors and bishops that are dealing with sexual sin. And because of some of the things we discussed yesterday, they don't want to talk about it, make themselves vulnerable. So they're dealing with pornography, they're dealing with uh, masturbation, they're dealing with uh, a sexual sin. Marriages are suffering. Families are suffering because of this sin that nobody wants to talk about. And I want to obey God because somebody needs to get free today. God wants to set you free today. God's intention is to deliver you this is not a verdict to condemn you. This is intended to expose the truth, expose the devil, so that you can be set free. Hallelujah. If you haven't fallen into it yet, maybe it's in your mind because nobody's fall into sexual sin in a day's time. This is planned. It is organized. Hallelujah. Listen, I'm not an angel. I'm a man, so I, I, I know what men go through. We're all looking good and dressed up this morning. But all of us face temptation. I've been to countries where, as I go, sometimes, sometimes I'm my wife. Women will throw themselves at me. I told one of the pastors, I said, that young lady you sent to me when, you, when I went, when I went to, to see you. Uh, when I went to preach, it was in Australia. When she walked into my hotel room with the food, I said, ah, to feel good. Because you can sense the spirit. I told you recently. I said, I've never seen one person in the room. So, man, especially the female. Listen, man, we are men. When you see, you don't control what you see. And that, that, that thing that builds up in you, you start to plan. You start to organize. 
I told him, usually when I go to hotels, when I go to countries, they give me two keys. I give one key to the pastor. You are free to come anytime to this room. I do it to protect me. And he's sitting there with a the key, with the food. And the way she appeared, I said, this is not okay. Hallelujah. But this awful sin, this outrageous sin was committed in Israel. And so they gather for battle because Benjamin refused to turn over the brothers who did this act. So there's war. They went for the first battle. The Benjamin, uh, 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 Israel went to God and sought God. God, should we go? And so, and, and they asked God, who should go first? And the God said, let Judah lead the battle. They're going to the first battle. Benjamin, one trap, defeated the rest of Israel. And you will think that God will give them victory at the first strike. But they were defeated. Many were killed. Just because one trial refused to deal with sin. You see, when we compromise and refuse to deal with sin, what we are doing is we are bringing the entire church under subjection to the power of the enemy. So here, the nation is fighting against itself. One tribe against 11 tribes. There's division in the, in, in the nation because of sin. Because of the sexual sin. Because of this murder. Nobody will stand up and say, I'm a man of God. I'm a king's man. We must turn them over so the nation will be purged of this sin. Nobody. And so they had to go to war. Then Israel is defeated. Go back. And went to the house of God. And they saw the Lord and also go back. And they were defeated the second time. So our text in verse 26, 27, and 28 says, At this time they went back to God. They fasted, Pastor. They spent the entire day in the house of God at Bethel. Fasting and praying and crying to God. And then they offer a sacrifice unto God. That God will give them victory. That God will back them up with his power. That God will anoint them on the battlefront. Because they wanted to deal with their sin. You see, any sin you cover, at some point, it will come out. When you share blood, the blood will cry out. At some point. So they say, God... So we go. And the Bible says that at this time, Phinehas, who was a Levi, the son of Eliezer, was ministering before the Lord by reason of the Ark of the Covenant. This is the first time that the Ark, after a long time, is mentioned in the book of Judges because when Israel faced tough battles, they had to 
come or bring for the ark and seek God's mind and God's wisdom. How to go about this thing? This thing was serious. So they had to seek God. And the Bible says in verse 28, give me verse 28 of that verse. Uh, Judges 20, verse 28. Let's look at that. Judges 20, 28. Hallelujah. It says, and the Lord said, after they fasted, they prayed and, and sacrificed unto God. They're asking, shall yet again, shall we yet again go out of battle against the children of my brother Benjamin? This is brothers going against brothers for the sake of holiness and righteousness, for the sake of the kingdom of God. We cannot cover sin. If we're going to lose our cool because of sin, then I'm willing to lose my cool with you. If you don't stand for God, you will fall for anything. Kingdom or kings, men, hear me. In the in addition to all that was preached yesterday, this is what I'm going to say to you. Stand up against sin. Amen. You cannot live by influence if you compromise and cover sin. It doesn't matter who the person is. The problem would have been solved how they released the men who did the act. But they said, no, we'll cover them up. They were willing to die and sacrifice the peace of the nation. The window sacrifice wicked men at the expense of the nation. But the king's men rose up and said, No, we will not allow this to happen and remain in Israel. They were defeated the first time, they went back to God. Defeated the second time, they went back to God. And God said, Go. What did he say? The Lord said, Go up. For tomorrow I will deliver them into your hand. You see, when you fight against sin, when you war against wickedness, when you resist sin and resist wickedness, you are on the same team with God. You cannot be defeated. God may allow you to suffer some casualties to test your faithfulness, to test your consistency, to test you whether or not you are serious about this thing. And you know, uh, in our society, when you are uh, perceived to be the evil doer, even though you are not, you will suffer. And people think that you are the uh, bad doer. You are the uh, uh, the one who is guilty and even though you may not be guilty but that's what it means to suffer for righteousness sake and the Bible says we shall suffer for righteousness sake here's the problem in the church many believers don't want to suffer for the sake of righteousness so they want to be in the crowd they want to be in, in good books with the pastor good books with the brothers who are involved in wickedness. They say, I'm not minding my business. No, you're not minding your business. If you know about it, you're just as guilty as the one who did the sin. In the English, what they say, you're accomplished, right? 
accessory. Even though you didn't come in the scene. But you know the brother is sleeping with the girls in the church and you put your face one side. That's evil. And kinsmen should not condone such attitude, behavior. Let alone the sin itself. I'll listen to Menzel Otabi, one of the greatest mans and, 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 and ministers in Africa, based in Ghana. This is what he says. He says, sexual sin will destroy your walk with God faster than any other sin. This is another quote I got from him. The scripture is clear, according to him, that living a sexually pure life is central. Central. To living the Christian life. Living a he says, this is what he says. He says, the scripture is clear that living a sexually pure life is central to living the Christian life. So, in other words, we'll, we'll look at some New Testament scriptures. When we live sexually pure or maintain sexual purity, he said that is very central to being a Christian. Because sex is designed for married people. And it should be done in the married home, on the married bed. Anything outside Hooking up. One time flink. I don't care how much. What kind of an English is used to describe it. The adjective is used. It is sin. And as king's men. We must deal with sin. We must confront sin. If we are going to leave our influence. <laughs> my God. If we are going to leave our power and example. We must deal with sin. So quickly, quickly, let me give you, let me give you three, three uh, nuggets out of the text. I told you it's, 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 it's whole two chapters, chapter 19 and chapter 20. Chapter 19 is detailed to the extent that the, 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 the gentleman who hosted uh, this guy, who was this Levite and his servant who were going back home after obtaining his concubine. Beg the man, please don't do this. This is sinful. This is outrageous. No, bring the man out. We want him. He said, I beg you, have my daughter who's a, who's, who is a virgin and you can have the concubine. He said, no, we want him. After what, the man grabbed the concubine and threw her out. 
because they wanted him want to have sex with this man. And the church today has been has been has it's been attacked. It will take kingdoms, men who will say no. I'm a man. I'm not a woman. It will take kingdom women who will say no. I'm a woman of God. And I can't be another person, another woman's man or wife. The church is now facing one of its worst period in the history of the church. Women want to be men. Men, no, not want to be. Women becoming men, men becoming women. People, I, 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 I took a young man through deliverance. He was telling me, he said, Bishop, he said, my prayer was to have sex with men and women are possible. I was counting them. I'm a trophy. Now, I'm telling the truth. This is true, I'm telling you. I'm not telling some. I'm talking to deliverance. In two weeks' time, what was bothering him, God delivered him. Right now, I'm discipling him. I'm taking the truth. The same material I'm taking it through. Young man. People are bound. Bound with all kinds of bad habits. It will take men like you and me who understand that we are kingdom's men and that we carry power, we carry his grace, we carry his presence, that we must stand up to say no. If we become unpopular with men, we become popular with God. In fact, the, the call of God on your life is a call to a narrow path. Now, we sit here in a group. We're here yesterday. We had a good time. But when it comes to the real stuff, it's just between you and God. It's not between you, God, and me. No. It's one-on-one. -on -one. This is very important. So first, first thing I want to bring out the text is that as kingdom, as king's men, we must confront sin. We must point out sin. We must deal with sin, especially sexual sin. Sin it has the potential and it is the intention of the devil to drill you Suck the very life of God out of you. The very power of God out of you. So we must practice the act of personally dealing with sexual sin because the enemy knows that he has an advantage over you and me when we fall into sexual sin. you fall into sexual sin, you lose confidence. And not sin for that matter. But sexual sin, something leaves your body. So man, it affects you. 
You can never have the confidence to stand before God and pray. Not immediately. Not right away. It will take grace to get to the place of prayer to pray. Such a thing will destroy you and destroy your work with God. Casual sin is not Christianity. It's not a Christian thing to do. Hooking up for sexual experiments is not Christian. And sexual sin, when left unchecked and covered up, will destroy your life, destroy your marriage, destroy healthy relationships that you have. Not just with your wife, but your children and those who have respect for you. You lose your integrity. People will not trust you. So if you're a man, you listen to me, uh, if, and you're dealing with sexual problem, seek help. God wants you to have victory over that thing, whatever it is, that thing. Sex outside your marriage is, is sin. It's not a handsome ball speed. It is sin. And God wants you to be delivered from it. There is victory over every sin. So the first thing we need to realize our responsibility as king's men is to confront sin, deal with sin. And if you cheat on your wife, it's just a matter of time, she will find out. Cover her up. Just recently I was listening to the news with the owner of the uh, uh, Dallas Cowboy. He had an affair years ago. And the daughter was born out of that affair. He paid them, he paid the mother of the child, I think three hundred and thirty-three thousand dollars. It just came out recently. Just last week. What's your name? I oh, know don't call your name. I don't know him. Well, what's in the news? And the girl said, the girl is the one who said he said, uh, call his name, say, He's my father too. In this country, by the time paparazzi hear that, they want to go behind the story and they found out that you had a child years ago. Sin. That's just what sin. You can't hide it forever. So the thing to do is to get help. Make yourself vulnerable. Talk to somebody who can help you. And take it through deliverance. I found out that men and women who are able to keep themselves sexually pure are the most powerful people. If you're able to keep yourself sexually pure, you're a powerful man and woman of God. Because this, I don't have time. There is mystical there is a mystical, um, um, there's, some, there's, there's something mysterious about sex. Mm. 
Okay? And we don't have no babies here. The one that here doesn't understand what that is. So that's why God said, it got to be in marriage. In other words, you don't put your fireplace in your bedroom. The fireplace in the house, that, that the, the chimney, whatever that is, it is prepared to... In fact, it was recently that I found that there are special blocks that are made for fire. How do you know that recently? That no matter how intense the fire is, the bricks will not burn. So that's why in your houses, those who have homes, there's a place called fireplace. Sex is a fireplace. It should only take place in marriage. If you do it as a marriage, you are putting wood and coal together to burn your house, burn your marriage. It doesn't matter time. I have the privilege as I travel and preach. Young men, young women come to me and tell me their situations. I'll tell them. Now, you should read 1 Corinthians chapter 6 to them, verse 18 to them. That you are bought with a price. God designed sex and give it to you as a gift. But God wants you to open the package only when you get married. It's a gift. By God, place in your body. Because you open the gift only in marriage, in your bedroom. Hallelujah. The second thing I want to bring out of the text is that as king, king's men, we must learn to pray and seek the man of God when God reveals to us that there is sin. It doesn't have to be sexual sin. I know my focus this morning is on sexual sin because it's a plague. It can cause serious damage, not just to you, to your family, your children, and the church. Do you know what will happen? God forbid to work out. If, if, if it is said that Bishop just never won the guests in the church in Houston, some of you hear that, that love me, you will turn against me because you don't expect that out of me. Because it is dangerous. It is evil. You follow me? It will hurt you. You will take it personally. It will affect the way you perceive me thereafter. You will lose respect for me. You will never trust me again. It will take years to build that trust because every time I stand to preach, it will come. The devil will remind you. Even though God has forgiven me, even though I may be preaching with fire coming out of my mouth, I just God's grace, He uses it. I'm mean, a sinner. After the youngest in the church, that is what makes it dangerous to protect yourself. I want to Kenya to preach. I came from. I came from Liberia several years ago. I believe it was, it was 1998. Yeah, I think it was 1998. So I came in, and um, Bishop was due to go to um, 
East Africa to preach. But then, that was when uh, our youth ministry in Cameroon had an accident, and 10 of them died, including one of the young men that was disciple in Sakajipo. Okay? And, 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 and Bishop said, you know what? Most I want you to go to, I want you to go with um, Dr. Modi to Kenya. He was invited to preach in Dar es Salaam uh, by a ministry called Big November. Uh, it's a well-known ministry. They do annual, annual crusade in, in, in Dar es Salaam on the big football field. Bishop said, I can't go because he sent um, Pastor John QC to go to Cameroon to deal with that, and he was going to stay in Silver Spring. Then they were in Silver Spring. So that Amodi and I went. She was a mission director at the time. Went in. Darussalam. So we preached in Kenya first. And though, no, we got to Kenya. I was in Kenya. We were spending a week in Kenya, then going to, um, into uh, um, Tanzania. So we had a three-day fast and prayer. So I go into the, to the motel, uh, the hotel uh, restaurant to break my fast. I want to drink soup. I wasn't, want to eat. I, I wasn't intending to eat anything heavy because I was preaching the next day in um, Dondora. It's a slum of Kenya. It's a big slum. Okay, so where no slum in Kenya? In fact, who been to Kenya? We mentioned the slum. They said Dondora. You know. So anyway, so the stage was being said. The crusade was getting. Everything was done. So I went into the restaurant to drink. Um, some soup, and they didn't have regular soup that they had. Um, I believe it was um, uh, um, mm. oh, uh, some sort of canned soup, tomato soup. Uh, you know, when we say soup in Liberia, you know what I'm talking about, right? You want all the creatures in it and uh, pepper. So I had to drink tomato soup. As I sat, to, to, as I sat down, a young, a, a, a young woman comes back. Sat across from me. So I said, oh God, this is time for the opportunity to witness to her now. She said to me, I have the best condoms. Yeah. She said, I got the best condom. Are you looking for something? I said, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I said, what kind of condoms do you have? She described it to me. I said, okay, come here, wait for me, okay? Instantly, Lord gave me, gave me wisdom. So I rushed up in the room. Yes, that a mother's room. Yes, my room. I said that a body, a prostitute just met me, telling me that she got good condoms for her to have sex. I said I'm going to. I told her that I have a friend. Two of us want to have sex with her. And she agreed. She said, Aye. I said, ah. I said, don't do that. Don't do that. I said I'm going back to call her when she come. Since you speak Swahili, you have the opportunity to witness to her. So I went back. So follow me. I didn't talk her to my room. I told her to that Amadi's room. That Amadi is from Tanzania. She, that's her area. In fact, she was taking bishop to minister in her area. But because of this thing that happened. So now, um, I take her into the room. That Amadi was so embarrassed that a woman will preach a man in Africa to have sex with a man. She ministered. I sat there. She ministered to her. That woman got on her feet, on her knees, repent. Oh, she, she didn't just minister, she blasted her. Oh. I could feel it, I couldn't understand, but I could feel it that she was blasting at her. When she got through her, she got on her knees crying, surrender to Christ. Let me tell you something. When you almost say what you carry, 
You do everything you can to protect it. And the reason why men will, bring, will, will drop their pants down to sleep with a woman in a marriage is because they forget in a moment, in that, in, in that instant, what they carry. And that 15 minutes of pleasure, of pleasure can ruin your marriage, ruin your life, ruin your ministry. I know families that are suffering. I know men who lost their children, lost their wives because of this sin. So when we are faced with the opportunity to deal with this sin or any sin, that the children did, they pray. Look at what he says. You had a scripture there for me already. Go, go back to, go back to uh, Judges 20. Uh, give me verse 26 again. Let me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me draw out of that verse. We'll come back to this. Judges 20, verse 26. It says that the one to God. Okay, then all the children of Israel. And when they say, all the children of Israel in this context, this was excluding who? Benjamin. A whole tribe. Ganged up against the rest of the nation because a few men committed an outrageous sin and they slaughtered the woman. They refused to turn them over. That is, all the people went up and came to the house of God and wept. They sat there before the Lord and fasted that day until evening. And they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. Burnt offerings and peace offerings to appease the heart of God. So that God will do something about this. That's what we need to do when things go wrong and things are going bad in the church. It's not time to gossip and run around and tell people who have no concern, who have no power to solve the problem. Uh, one of the things we do. When something goes wrong and we hear it. Something everybody else will know except for the pastor because we get to the pastor and the thing is messed up. Somebody told me years ago, you sit in the church and so and so brother is sleeping with the women in the church. I said, oh, but you tell me who the women is sleeping with because I don't know anything. They've been discussing it and talking about it. By the time I guess it, because everybody, by the time they come, they don't want the pastor to know. They're discussing it. Now at the end of the day, the pastor is compromising with sin. Maybe not in the church, but most time when things go wrong in people's life, they tell everybody else. Never gets to me. By the time I hear it, it's too late. Damage has been done. So we're not only solving the problem within damage control. And it is a terrible thing for the pastor to keep putting fire off. Putting fire off. You go call to preach this gospel. And we are to disciple you so that you do the work of the ministry. You should be doing the work of the ministry and you're causing trouble. You put in fire. You know, you come here, lay one fire here. Then you come back and lay one fire here. Let it do it in California. So, year round, the California fire service putting fire off. And I talk to 
Manchester. Pastor, just put the fire off. That is not a healthy church. So the men, the king's men, the men and women of God of the church must stand upright. When there is sin, when there is problem, the first thing you must do is to pray. And to pray. And to pray. And keep praying until God does something about it. Because if you try to do it on your own, you're going to mess things up. So I see people who don't have any experience in counseling, people who are falling to sin try to counsel it because they don't want the pastor to hear it. So they try to keep it undercover. You distrust the church. And when that happens to the church, you who have knowledge of that, you are part of the problem. You are part of those who you are playing on the devil's team to destroy the church. Yeah, they, they look at me and say, you're sitting here. Your brother is sleeping with people in the church. You don't do anything about it. So what I mean? I say, have a seat. Tell me. Who are you sleeping with? Because you know something I don't know. You got to deal with sin. And ladies and gentlemen, I confronted that brother. Today he's not in the church. He left the church because of that. Confronted him. Because as a pastor of the church, it's my responsibility to deal with sin. It's my responsibility. If I know it and do nothing about it, God is going to hold me responsible. So how do we deal with sin? After we pray. First of all, we need to pray. Secondly, we need to make sure we hear the voice of God. So that we know how to push the sin. And we have to be persistent. Until we find God's solution. Did you hear me? What did I say? We have to be persistent. Just like they were persistent. They didn't stop. They were being killed. They were being defeated. But they kept pressing in. Until they stopped the problem. Until they purge. The sin. When you read the end of chapter 20, you see how what God did. God gave them wisdom how to defeat the Gibeonites. He said, ambush. They drew them out of the city. When they came out, they slaughtered a few Israelites, about 10 of them, and they talked to themselves, oh, we've done it again just as we did before. Then the ambush, those who were in ambush, rose up and began to run. As they ran, they followed them. Now others went into Gibeah and burned the city. They said they burned it with fire. When they looked back and saw their city being burned, they could not go back into the city. Why? Because God was dealing with the sin once and for all. We have to make sure that we seek the man of God. Paul did with this in Galatia. He said, those of you who are strong, you want this falling sin, say, be careful. Be careful. So, this sin was a public sin. So how did they deal with it? Publicly. When it is a perfect sin, and it's just the individual concern and the pastor, it must be dealt with privately. If we don't do that, we destroy others and 
it causes them to lose their faith. They never experience the grace of God. What they experience is judgment. What they experience is, 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 is shame and disgrace. The pulpit is not meant to disgrace people. It's meant to lift people up from the pit. And then finally, as kinsmen, we must trust God for victory. Must trust God to overcome. When we confront sin, we confront sin prayerfully, but we must have faith in God that this too will be resolved. This too will be brought under subjection. That nothing that God intervenes in And resist the power of God or defeat God's purpose. So when we pray, we must believe God that He will give us a victory, that He gave them the victory. The Israelites resolved to deal with this sexual sin and the murder, even though they face two defeats. Yet they did not give up. You see, when you know that you are doing God's will and everybody turns against you, you don't surrender. Did you hear me? You don't surrender because everybody, has come, everybody is coming against you. And they say to you that you are the bad guy. And you know that you are standing for righteousness. Keep standing. Keep standing. I'm telling you, brothers, and our sisters that are here, keep standing for righteousness. We should never back down, give in, because somebody feels that we are wrong, or somebody is is assessing, or is 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 is, is guessing, or opposing you, because you decide to be Mister Holy or Sister Holy. Because you refuse to compromise. Oftentimes, friends will turn against friends because one, one person decides to stand up for God. And I say to you, kings, men, stand for God. Because the only way you'll be successful to make a mark and influence your generation is not by compromising. No, 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 you cannot. You'll never. Work in power and victory if you compromise. You work in power and victory when you stand with God and stand for righteousness. Hallelujah. And you will all win. We should not give up in the face of resistance that comes from the enemy when we are dealing with sin and evil. The enemy will do everything to discourage you and me. <laughs> men of God, king's men, you must stand up against sin, against evil. We must. That's part of our responsibility. Yes, we got to prayerfully use wisdom and approach the issue. Use wisdom. Be tactful. You know, years ago, uh, Bishop Johnson taught something. And I have, one of my, I have a very meaning Bible that he gave me years ago. And I wrote the city points in it. When you hear something, before you talk to anybody, ask yourself, 
Is it the right person I'm talking to? What to? The person I'm talking to, uh, does he or she has the power to make any decision to change the situation? I think there's a third one. I forgot it. But I kept that over the years. And this uh, it is at this time that I heard or I learned from him that when you deal with sin that is, that is not publicly, but deeply publicly, you cause more harm than good. Hallelujah. Now let's look at, um, let's close at 1 Corinthians 6, 18 through 20. And I'll close there. Let's do 1 Corinthians chapter 6. That's my conclusion. Hallelujah. So our assignment, in addition to what was taught yesterday, is that we must be prepared at all times to resist sin. Amen? And to confront sin in our personal lives and in the body, in the fellowship. When we demonstrate the power of God against evil, God will defend us. God will protect us. This too is our assignment. Amen? It is not enough to know our purpose in advancing the kingdom of God. It is also our responsibility to deal with sin and to confront it. Let me close with the Apostle Paul's wisdom or revelation. Flee sexual immorality. Flee. He didn't say run. Fleeing is one step above running. Did you hear me? To run, I don't care how fast you can run until you move to the next gear. And when you move to the next gear, it's to flee. It's between running and flying. That's how you say you should deal with sexual sin. Flee! Every sin that a man does is outside the body. So when you steal, you lie, you, uh, you gossip, all of those sins outside the body. So, but the sin that affects you, you see this one, so, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. So this is what the Lord gave me. He said, when, I, when a man, man sleeps with another woman who is not his wife, or he's not married to, you subject your body, she subject her body to a condition that is unbiblical, unpractical, unconducive. Because the only place God wants us to happen is in the marriage. So you say you sin against your body. You bring your body under subjection of a strange and wicked spirit. The next verse, please. So when you sin against your body, it's like taking your body. It's like you take your body, you get out of, you get your spirit comes out of your body, you take your body and lay it down on the on the on the floor. And you grab a, a whip and you fucking yourself. That's what it means. 
move your body under subjection. You sin against your own body. You are tormenting your own body when you leave your husband, leave your wife, and sleep with another person. How sad that person. So verse 19 says, oh, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom we have from God, and you, and you are not your own? So what I mean, don't you know? Don't you know that your body doesn't belong to you anymore? And your body belongs to God. Now your body has become the temple of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You surrender to him. People say, it's my body. I can do anything I want to do. No, that's true. People who say that lack revelation. Say, for you were bought at the price. Therefore, therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Here the verse 20, the warning, the one. Verse 20. Oh, that's verse 20 right I say, for you were bought at the price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit. See, now your, your body and your spirit are what? Possess it. Belong to God. I'm done. I'm done. 